You're listening to a sermon from Pasco Vale Church of Christ. To hear more of our teaching or to find out about the church, please visit our website, pvcc.org.au. Good morning, Pasco Vale. How are we all? Uh, welcome to uh, another beautiful Sunday. Uh, for those who may be listening online, we also hope to extend an invitation to come join us in person to worship and fellowship with us. As for our regular attendees, we hope that you have a great time of fellowship with one another and also learning from the Word of God. Now we're currently back on the God's Plan for the World series based on the Gospel of Luke. And today's message will be taken from Luke chapter 13, 10 to 21 that John just read beautifully for us. Now there has been a slight change in the title of the sermon to Faith and the Law. I hope you all have your Bibles with you. If you have them, I encourage you to open it with me and follow with me as we study the Word together. As always, before we begin, let us just bow our heads together and let's ask the Holy Spirit to give us years to hear and for the scripture, what the Scripture has for us today and to prepare our hearts to apply what the Scripture has in store. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are and the gift of Scripture. We thank you for the word in print that we can read, digest, reflect and learn from it. We pray, dear God, that you inspire us Teach us and train us for righteousness. And may the words of our mouth and the reflections of our hearts be wholly acceptable to you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now in preparation of today's message, I remember this quote. I love God. I love God, but I hated going to church. Often on Sunday morning, I would find my body in the pews or Sunday school, but my heart was elsewhere. Now, this was not a quote from a random person, but a quote from me when I was a young lad. You see, I appreciated God, and I thanked Him for what He did for me, but I would be lying if I said I look forward to going to church on Sunday, especially Sunday school. Now, during my primary school days, um, school was not for five days, but six. That was a long time ago. Monday to Friday, we had our normal curriculum. And on Saturday morning till the afternoon, we had additional remedial lessons or extracurriculum activities. It's no wonder Singaporeans are called kiasu because they're scared to lose. So that's why they can make a study and study and study. Then on Sunday, we would have our Sunday school. And didn't God say keep the Sabbath holy? And didn't God say rest on the seventh day after creation? I've already done six days of school. Can you really blame me for wanting Sunday to be a time to chill out and relax? I wanted to stay home, watch TV, chill out, and do what teenagers or children do. But no, I was dragged to Sunday school by my mom. As if six days of living in a regimented program is not enough, we had to do it even on a Sunday. I felt restricted. I felt I had no freedom to do what I wanted. Every day I had to abide by rules and more rules. I wanted to slip in. I wanted to watch TV. I wanted to play my computer games. Also, Sunday morning was unfortunately when they aired the best cartoons. And I had to miss it just because I had to go to church. It was hard to find joy as a young lad in attending church during that time. Things have obviously changed, but that was my life growing up. 
As some of you might know as well, we used to do street outreach. Next slide, please. No, actually. Yep, there you go. Um, we used to, uh, even Rick, Rick and Annie might remember this, we used to go out in front of the church and we used to give up Bible pamphlets and sing songs in the crossroads teams to reach out to people. Now, in our conversations with people, a common thread we, ho- we hear from people is that Christianity is very restrictive. We have no freedom to do whatever we want. Whilst the Bible says that the only rules are to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to receive the Lord our God as our personal Lord and Savior, and to love our neighbors as ourselves, behind those rules, there are so many other rules, it says, like the Ten Commandments and so on. With so many rules, where is the freedom, some say? Now Jesus says, we are freed from slavery of sin if we believe in him. Yet it somehow feels that we have been further enslaved by the law. Where indeed is our freedom? Now friends, hopefully by the end of today, we can answer this question and see how our faith works hand in hand with the law to set us free from the things that disable us or that which limits our ability to enjoy that true freedom we have through Christ Jesus our Lord. We begin today's passage by reading about a woman who had a disabling spirit for 18 years. 18 years. We are told she's bent over and could not fully straighten herself. You know, I'm sure many of us will have probably experienced the excruciating pain of a back injury at some point in their lives. I know I did because Australia Day this year, I had to lay in bed for four days just because I pulled a muscle or two on my lower back when bringing my kids on the water slides in Melbourne's theme park. My injury was only muscle-related, and it was only for a short term, yet it was already so painful and unbearable, I can, and I even had difficult, so much so that I had difficulty sleeping. Yet this lady had this condition for 18 years. We are told that it was a disabling spirit that had caused her to be in this condition. Some might ask, if it was a disabling spirit, why didn't God just allow her to go through the suffering for 18 years? Why did God not deal with the evil spirit straight away? Whilst we do not have the answer right now for it, we know that sometimes God allows certain things to happen for a reason. It's not necessarily because of what one has done, but it's the result of us living, unfortunately, in a fallen world. But God never wastes a hurt. And everything that happens is still within God's control. Take Paul, for example. He was a man of faith, yet... He, we know that he was a, there was a thorn in his flesh that was given to him and God allowed the messenger of Satan to harass him. But he knew, he knew that God allowed this so as to keep him from being, becoming conceited. Now friends, we do not know why God allows certain things to happen. We do not know why God allows those who are close to us to be taken back to himself or suffer. But we know one thing. We know one thing, and that is God has a plan for that person, and God has a reason to allow certain things to occur. 
We may not fully understand at this point in time, but someday, as we look back, it will become clear. So friends, if you are feeling frustrated or in a circumstance where you are facing challenges in your life and wondering, where is God in all of this? Let me encourage you by saying, do not dismay. Because God has never let you, left you, nor has He ever forsaken you. He's always by your side. Whilst you may find you are struggling, God never allows you to be tested beyond where you can bear. Psalms 46, 1 writes, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Our God knows when you need help, and He can help provide that when it is needed. A time had come for this lady, as it will for you, where God will say to us, as He did this woman, you women, you are freed from your, your disability. Nothing is impossible with God if it's in accordance with His will. Even an ailment that, has has, that is disabling for such a long time can be healed simply by the Word of God alone. By His Word alone, He can redeem us and free us from our affliction. This is because it is by the finger of God that the kingdom of God has come upon her. Like everyone who has been truly touched by God, we experience immense joy for being redeemed. And God's glory is revealed through us. Friends, will we glorify God, our God, as these women did? There are only two types of faith. The first kind is the false kind or the false religion. We think that by following certain rules or doing certain rituals that we are somehow deemed holy or faithful. For example, look at the ruler in Luke chapter 13, 14. You think that someone being healed and glorifying God is a good thing on the Sabbath and we should all rejoice with her when we see a person we know healed or be redeemed. But what happened here? The ruler was indignant. He was angry. His response was, there are six days in which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be healed and not on the Sabbath, he said. The synagogue ruler knew the law in Exodus 28-10, to which says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord, your God. On it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is written within your gates. Whilst he knew the law, he did not understand the meaning of the law, nor does he appreciate the reason why we follow the law. He became an enforcer of the law rather than the beneficiary of the law. He was interested in keeping, trying to keep his stature or rules to make himself look good rather than be concerned for this poor lady. Now do we think 
that he actually cared for this lady? I highly doubt it. You see, the law is put in place to free us, but instead of benefiting from it, we enslaved ourselves to it by adding additional laws that God did not command. A flawed human interpretation of the law causes us to develop a legalistic mindset. Our self-righteous and selfish ambition, human nature, causes us to impose additional rules so that we can justify to ourselves how we have met the requirements of that law. But for those who may not know, according to the Jewish tradition, the Torah contains over 613 commandments. From these commandments, Jewish scholars have put the interpretation of those commandments into rules to be followed. Here's one recently which has been instituted within the King David apartment. Because the Jewish scholars have deemed that pressing a button on an elevator constituted work, especially on the Sabbath. The lift now stops on every single level so that people can get in or out without pressing the button. Now how silly is this? If I were in this lift, I think I would go mad. I don't know about you. Luckily, we're not on the Eureka Tower. Imagine how long that would take to go up and down from your apartment on a Sunday. Now, we may giggle and laugh at this sign and think to ourselves, this is ridiculous. But I dare ask, what rules have we ourselves implemented in the practice of our faith? And do we think that the fulfillment of those rules or practices justify or confirm our faith? Think the example I brought up earlier about my mindset of coming to church in my younger days. Do we come to church to truly worship the Lord or is our mind somewhere else? Do we come to church to be seen as fulfilling our faith duties to prove that we are Christians because that is what Christians do? Or do we come to church because we are excited and wanting to glorify God as did that woman who has been redeemed from her disabling situation? Friends, are we critical, perhaps, of how the church services are being run? or how we should sing certain songs, or have a band or not have a band? Are we critical of whether people are dressed in a particular manner, or ways perhaps, or not dressed in a particular way? Friends, let me be clear. I'm not suggesting we stop coming to church, nor am I recommending we start dressing inappropriately tomorrow. What I'm asking is, what is our mentality, our mindset, and our attitude towards why we come to church, or why do we gather to worship? Are we focused, like the synagogue ruler, on the unimportant things and lose focus on the bigger things that matter? Friends, if we rely on rules and the law alone to exercise our faith, we will not be free to practice our faith, but instead, we will be enslaved by it, much like what's happening to Jews now. 
Take the rich young ruler, for example, who came to the Lord one day and said, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus quoted the rules from the Ten Commandments, and the young ruler replied, Teacher, I, all this I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you have treasures in heaven, and come and follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had a great possession. Let us not be as a young ruler, thinking we have saved by the laws that we have kept, but understand, understand that these laws are given to us to point us to Jesus so that we will follow him and be redeemed from the law by him. So what does true faith look like? Luke chapter 13 and 15 writes, Then the Lord answered him, You hypocrites! Does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his or her do- his donkey from the manger and lead it to water it? And ought not this woman, as daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 years, be loosed from the bonds of the Sabbath day? Well, the law is given that for six days one should work, and on the seventh day rest, and the day made holy. How is releasing one from bondage of Satan not a holy thing to do on a Sabbath? No one is complaining that the act itself does not glorify God or is in itself a bad thing. Not only does the act demonstrate the holiness of our God, but also demonstrates the triumph of our God over the evil one. Why would we therefore deem something that glorifies God over the evil one be something that we should not do? Just because it may not fit into our conventional ways of thinking or our rules. Now, no one's disputing that what occurred was a good thing. The only issue that was raised by the synagogue ruler in this passage is that it was done on the Sabbath. Friends, just because someone or something does not fit in with the rules we set for ourselves does not mean you cannot glorify God or make, things, make this day holy. We need to examine our hearts lest we let the rules of the law we set for ourselves enslave us rather than set us free to practice our faith. In Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 15, the scripture writes, You shall remember that you were the slave of the Lord of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord our God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Now, God did not free you from slavery to put you back into slavery. Although we now have freedom, it does not mean anything goes. Deuteronomy 8.1 also writes the whole commandment that, I command you today, you shall be careful to do, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers. Now, Kim, Tim Keller in explaining the words wrote this, Freedom is not so much the absence of restrictions as finding the right ones, those that fit with the realities of our own nature and those of the world. 
Now, to put Tim's words in an analogy, think of a fish. It's free to move anywhere, but just because it's free to go wherever does not mean there are no laws that still govern what it can or can't do. For example, it cannot go outside of water because it was literally, it will literally end its life. Just because it can does not mean it must to have freedom. It can still be free within the confines of its environment. Likewise, as many of you of the members of the church here will know, my children love to play soccer. No, the only way the game is enjoyable and fun is because there are rules that govern how the game ought to be played. The rules do not limit the players from the freedom of playing. The, the rules make the game enjoyable and beneficial. If everybody were to say that practicing freedom meant they could do whatever they wanted on the field, there would be utter chaos, wouldn't it? Just because there are laws and rules does not mean that God seeks to enslave us. Quite the contrary. We find many of the laws that the God has given us seeks to benefit us rather than to harm us. God brought us out of the land of Egypt to free us out of slavery. The rules and the law that God gave us are there for our benefit. Not that they're not there to harm us. It's when we add to these laws and rules that confuse the purpose of why the laws and rules are there in the first place. What then is the goal of our faith? Now the passage tells us that as small as it is a master seed, we need to nurture it so that it can grow into a massive tree, so that the birds of the air may nest in its branches. One of the many reasons non-believers turn away from Christianity is because they see Christians telling them one thing and doing the totally the opposite. Sadly, sadly many of us are hypocrites by Jesus' word. People and even strangers are looking at us right now, how we carry ourselves, especially when we profess you are a Christian. Our children are watching us. Our colleagues are watching us. Strangers are watching us. And more critically, our non-believing family members are also watching us. Friends, let us be careful not to become stumbling blocks to them to come to Christ, but rather the path to lead them to Jesus, the path that leads them to safety, so much so that they become comfortable enough to set up their nests or their lives in the tree of life. Our faith should be, should be as leaving this work through our life until it works its way through our entire being so that we can become a sustenance those who have yet to experience the kingdom of God. The goal of our faith, my friends, is to be a building block so that our adversaries are put to shame and that we lead people to rejoice at all the glorious things that were done by our Savior. In conclusion, our faith 
is what brings reconciliation to our soul. It is what delivers us from slavery and into freedom in Christ Jesus. Whilst there are rules that we need to comply with, those rules are not designed to hinder you, but to build you up. Understand the meaning of those rules, and we are then free to apply it. For us, who have been afflicted by sin and the evil one, do not be discouraged. Jesus knows your struggles, and healing and redemption is coming. It will come. Know that God is constantly with you, and when the right time comes, God will call upon you, and the kingdom of the Lord will be revealed through our healing and our redemption. We may not fully understand the circumstances we are currently facing, but know that it is for your good and mine. For the will of the Lord is to prosper you, not to harm you. Put your faith in the Lord and not in the law. The law cannot save you, but your faith in Jesus can. Therefore, let us be a salt and light to the world and help them to see that becoming a follower of Christ is not a drag. But we do so with joy and excitement in our hearts to see our God glorified because we know deep down how He has redeemed us and how He's touched your heart. Let us examine our hearts today to see if there is any legalistic mentality within us and ask God to help us to get rid of it. Get rid of that criticism we have of how the church is being run or how things are being done. But focus on what's more important. Let us ask the Holy Spirit to renew within us a sense of reverence, a sense of awe, as did this woman who was released from her 18 years of affliction. Friends, I hope the message has helped us to think about and reevaluate where we are in our Lord. And I pray that He has challenged us to think how we fit in in this passage today. Are we the ruler of the synagogue? Or are we that woman who has been redeemed from her affliction? Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Lord, thank you for all that you have done for us. Forgive us for the times that we have forsaken you and started to rely on our own strength, thinking that we can solve everything. But no, Lord, we know that you are fully in control. We know, Lord, that you allow certain things to happen in accordance with your view. We may not understand what that is or why it has happened, but someday, someday, we know you will reveal it because you are God who loves us and you never waste a hurt, you never waste a tear. As we look back, someday we will I hope that our hearts will be as the woman who has been afflicted for those 18 years, that we will rejoice and we will glorify God for what you have done. Forgive us, Lord, for us where we have perhaps become legalistic as well, 
be critical of our friends, our brothers and sisters in Christ who are serving or who are doing your will. Forgive us, Lord, and help us to change our mindset to not be like that ruler, but instead be the heart of a redeemed and healed individual. Reconciled by your faith, by our faith in you, and saved by your grace and your mercy. Thank you, God, for all that you are and all that you have done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.